tirade against poor writing and problematic romance. My name is Lee, and it is episode 35, chapter 8 of Fifty Shades Darker. I am having audio problems, but I'm also on a little bit of a schedule, so I don't have as much time as I would like to fuck with my microphone, so sorry if the audio sucks for this one. As usual, content warnings will be in the episode description, and of course, you can always let me know if I've missed any, and I will add them in. Okay, so we left off the last chapter on this cliffhanger of Layla has, like, done shit to Anna's car, and so we think she might be in the apartment, so Christian sends his security guys in and then goes in after them because he's gotta be be the main character of the universe at all times, so that's cool. But then, you know, a couple paragraphs into the next chapter, we find, or at least we think, that Layla is not there because we can't have any kind of, you know, stress or tension in this novel last too long. Or, you know, plot. We can't have plot last too long either. So Anna goes to bed. Christian, of course, doesn't sleep because he's on that grind set mindset or whatever. So Anna wakes up later that night to Layla standing over her in the bedroom watching her sleep. When Anna reaches over to turn on a nightlight or whatever, Layla disappears. So Anna thinks like, maybe I'm dreaming. Maybe I, you know, didn't actually see what I thought I saw. But uh, she like goes and finds Christian and comes back and the balcony doors open and it wasn't open when she was there earlier. So they figure out Layla was in fact hiding somewhere in the apartment and nobody knew. So Christian immediately takes her to go stay at a hotel instead of Christian's apartment. He like has Taylor uh, book the hotel so he won't know where they're staying until, you know, right before they get there. So, you know, we're now fully into the like evil vampires chasing Bella, quote unquote evil ex chasing Anna. It's, you know, it's this plot. It's from Twilight. It's the Twilight plot. So they're driving to the hotel and they're like talking while they're driving, as you do, you know, having one of their heartfelt discussions. And Anna says, why did you think I'd leave when I told you Dr. Flynn had told me there w- all there was to know about you? Because I don't remember if I said this in the last episode, but Anna, after she had talked to Dr. Flynn, she joked with Christian, he's told me everything about you. And Christian was immediately like, well, okay, I guess you're going to break up with me. I'll get your bags. And so Anna is now asking, why, why was that your reaction? And Christian says, you cannot begin to understand the depths of my depravity, Anastasia, and it's not something I want to share with you. Okay, so two things here. First of all, the depths of his depravity, I am going to guess, is talking about his kink and or his trauma, which like, okay, first of all, at the end of the last book, she said, do the worst thing you want to do to me. I want to see if I can handle it. All he did was hit her super hard. If that's the depths of his depravity in terms of kink, my guy, that's not that fucking bad. Literally, he hit her hard six times barehanded, and that was the worst he wanted to do to her. I am sitting here with cuts on my back from my last beating. That's not that bad, my guy. Your depravity ain't that deep, if that's what you mean. But also, like, 
holy shit, it would be so exhausting to try to have a kinky relationship with someone who has so much internalized kink shame. Holy shit. Second of all, if he means the depths of his depravity means his trauma, my guy, that's not your fault. Trauma that happens to you is never your fault. It is the fault of whoever or whatever you were traumatized by. That's not, like, that's just an unfortunate side effect of being human, is that sometimes traumatic shit happens to you. But that's not, that doesn't make you depraved. That's, that's not what makes you a bad person. And I fully don't believe that he, that his depravity means his abuse and his manipulation and his stalking, because I really don't think he has enough self-awareness to even realize that any of that shit is wrong. So that's my first point. My second point, he says, you don't know the depths of my depravity and I don't want to share it with you. So funny thing, I'm going through something a little bit similar in my own relationship right now, one of my relationships. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna go into too much detail because it's a little private, but we've just been, like, working on feeling okay with sharing the not-so-good sides of ourselves with each other and, and sharing the hard feelings and sharing the, the traumas and the all that, you know, shit that is really difficult to acknowledge for yourself, let alone acknowledge to a partner, right? But here's the thing. Here's why sharing that is so important, is because when somebody, you know, I I've talked about this a lot, I know. When somebody signs up for a relationship with you, they are signing up for all of you. Which is why Anna and Christian are so fucking incompatible, because neither of them want to sign up for all of the other person. They're just sitting there wishing they could have, like, the pieces that they want without the pieces that they don't want. But that's not how relationships work. That's not how people work. You can't just have part of somebody in a relationship, not a serious relationship. Maybe a casual relationship, but that's not where Anna and Christian are, so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a serious, committed, intimate relationship. You get all of them. You get the whole person. Person, and that means bad habits, that means traumas, that means mental illnesses or physical illnesses or whatever else they have going on in their life. That means the baggage from their past. That means everything, everything about them, even the not so pretty parts. And if you're trying to keep some of those not so pretty parts to yourself, it just, it at, at a certain point, it doesn't work. First of all, because you're not giving your partner the chance to consent to being in a relationship with those not-so-pretty parts when they come out. They need to be able to make up their mind for themselves if they can handle that part of you. And that's scary. That's vulnerable. I know. I understand that completely. But you have to give them that choice before it's, you know, five years in and both you and they are fully committed and it's gonna get so much messier if you are just now revealing something to them that they can't handle and would have liked to know at the start, right? Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Point is, inform them so they can consent to everything that this relationship is going to entail. Second of all, I promise you, someone who cares about you and who wants to be in a relationship with you is not going to run screaming at the first sign of a flaw or a trauma or you just generally being imperfect and human. And if they do, then clearly they were not the right person for you in the first place and possibly they are just an asshole who is looking for, you know, a perfect partner and not actually human. So either way, not someone you want to involve yourself with. The, the right kind of person will understand that you're a human being and that comes with ugly 
bits that comes with flaws that comes with all that stuff and they will be willing they will want to support you as best as they can and support those not so pretty bits and of course that's not to say you know dump all the emotional labor labor on your partner they are not your you know your partner is not your therapist you have to be doing the work yourself as well yada 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 but you also trust that they that the right person will love the ugly parts of you too and they might not even see them as ugly parts you know the things that we see as ugly in ourselves a lot of times other people will love and find beautiful and find precious and you know that's not to say that that trauma is ever beautiful but you know i feel like i'm rambling a little bit i'm just i just have a lot of emotions about this and there i feel like i haven't gotten them into a super cohesive order just yet but i hope this is sort of making sense like if you love someone you love all of them and if you want to be in a relationship with someone you have to give them the chance to love all of you and that's super scary and I know that and they could reject you and they could run screaming but you kind of you have to give them the chance to do that for their sake and also for your own sake because like I said if somebody runs screaming at the first you know flaw or the first time you're not this like perfect charming beautiful whatever kind of person they're not right for you and maybe they're not ready for a long-term relationship because a really important part of a long-term relationship is supporting each other through hardships and supporting each other through messy moments and you know because that's gonna happen life sucks and it's messy sometimes and people are people suck and people are messy sometimes and like if if you're working on yourself as much as you can and you you know respect this person and they respect you and they love you you guys you you have to trust at some point that you can get through the messy moments together otherwise they're not really seeing the true you. They're just seeing this curated image of you, which at some point they will probably see through and or curating that, you know, continuously curating that image as your lives get more and more entwined is going to be fucking exhausting. Don't do that to yourself and don't do that to them. Give them the chance to be in a relationship with you, the most authentic, truest form of you you have. I, I hope there was a point in there somewhere. Oh yeah, so Christian then, a little bit later, reveals that he didn't actually go to Elena for comfort when he and Anna broke up, which Elena, in the last chapter, said that he did come to her for comfort. So, one of y'all's lying. Maybe it's her, maybe it's him, but both versions of that can't be true. So, somebody's a liar, and I don't trust them. I don't trust either of them at this point, honestly. Page 182, they are talking about Christian's introduction to kink and, you know, his relationship with Elena. And Anna says, you told me ages ago that she loved you in a way you found acceptable. What did that mean? Christian says, I was out of control. I couldn't bear to be touched. I can't bear it now. For a 14, 15-year-old adolescent boy with hormones raging, it was a difficult time. She showed me a way to let off steam. Which, like, yeah, I feel like maybe I've already talked about this a little bit, but this feels like one of the few good points that this series has made so far, which is, with the caveat that no, kink is not a replacement for therapy, kink can be therapeutic in a lot of ways for a lot of people. And that includes people who have trauma, trauma around being touched. It, it can 
let's say you have trauma around being touched in a, you know, traditional sexual way. Kink gives you a lot of ways to be touched that are not quote-unquote traditionally sexy, right? You can, you know, there's so many ways in kink to find pleasure in other parts of your body that are not traditionally thought of as sexual, or pain, which is not traditionally thought of as sexual, or all kinds of other ways to find pleasure in your body in non-traditional ways. Or if you have difficulty being touched more generally, like the all of the focus in kink on consent, on negotiation, and very, very specific negotiation, and setting up rules, and setting up boundaries, can make you feel so much safer of like, okay, I can give you these exact parameters of where and how you are allowed to touch me, and like, you can have so much more faith that a kinky person will hear that and respect it versus a non-kinky person who has not really been trained in that kind of consent. And that's not to say that everyone in every single kink scene is, you know, a perfect trustworthy angel. There are certainly abusers in kink as well, and there are certainly people who disrespect consent and, and are not great at negotiating in kink as well. But in general, the culture in kink is of negotiation and consent and very, very extensive, specific negotiation and consent. So it can give you whatever kind of box around touch that you need in order to feel safe and to not trigger that trauma response. I honestly feel like there's probably a lot that I'm missing because I personally don't have trauma around touch, so I'm sure that there are, you know, people who have experienced that kind of trauma who have other ways that kink helps them with finding touch that feels safe for them. And, uh, hey, I'd love to hear from you. Podcast at gmail.com, thecurdledpod on most social media. Please email me, DM me. I would love to share some other perspectives, share some other experiences on the podcast. If you want to, I can, you know, keep it anonymous. Just read a statement. I don't have to attach your name to it or, you know, whatever. Uh, Reach out if you want if you're interested. But point being, kink can be really helpful and really therapeutic for a lot of people who are fucked up by this society because there are a lot of people who have been fucked up by this society and it can it can really, speaking for my own specific traumas and my own ways that, that kink helps me out with them, like it can really, really be a refuge. It can really help build confidence in relationships and, you know, intimacy, but also just interpersonal relationships in general and like communication in general because there's so fucking much communication in kink. Yeah, I fucking love kink. It's magical. Anyway. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Okay. This is like, there's there's not a whole lot going on in this chapter, so I'm kind of zooming right through it, but, you know, there's a few things that I want to touch on. Page 188. Christian and Anna have just made love in the hotel room, and Anna is very specific that that's what they did. They made love because they had slow, gentle sex. And for her, that is the definition of making love. Which, sure, if that's how you- if that's what you consider to be making love, fine. I would argue, and I have argued in past episodes, that my definition of making love is much broader than that and it's much more about a feeling of connection and intimacy and romance, if that's something you experience, between 
yourself and whoever you're having sex with versus the specific act itself. So Anna is thinking, he's come a long way, as have I, in such a short time. It's almost too much to absorb. With all the fucked up stuff, I am losing sight of his simple, honest journey with me. Ah, yes, his simple, honest journey out of the dark, dangerous world of kink and into the light, safe, normal world of vanilla romance. Such growth. Very wow. I am glad that in his exploration of a more vanilla relationship, he is finding himself enjoying things about it, and he's finding himself enjoying this version of his relationship with Anna. I, good for him. I'm so glad. But like, Anna, just because he is learning to mimic your fantasy of a romantic relationship, like, that's not growth. That's not a quote-unquote journey. That's just him learning to parrot back what you want. And you know, maybe at some point some of it is genuine. Maybe he's genuinely enjoying some aspects of vanilla relationship life. Like I said, good for him. A relationship does not have to be 100% BDSM all the time. There are, you know, I, in fact, I am gonna go out on a limb here and guess that that is the mi minority of relationships. Because in my experience, the majority of kink relationships I've been in, the majority of kink relationships I've been around, there are vanilla aspects as well. And, you know, there are moments where you go on a date together to, like, a restaurant or something. That's pretty fucking vanilla. There are moments where you're sitting on the couch on your phones side by side, just, like, enjoying each other's company. That's pretty fucking vanilla. There are moments where you're just at the grocery store, holding hands, and that's pretty fucking vanilla. And like, yes, kinksters are, you know, pervy geniuses, and we can find all kinds of ways to inject a little bit of kink into any of those scenarios <laughs> and more. And that's the thing too, is like, there's not this dividing line of where a relationship becomes too vanilla to be kink, or like too kink to become vanilla. It's it's all it's all a fucking gray area. Pun vehemently not intended because not with this series, but like it really it's so much more subtle than that. And it's you know, and everybody has a different point at which they feel like, oh, this is too kinky for me, or this isn't kinky enough for me. Like I have had extremely vanilla what would look from the outside, like, extremely vanilla sex that felt pretty fucking kinky to me just because of, like, the way I was being held down in bed and, like, how rough the sex was and just, like, the dynamic between me and my partner inherently, like, I was the submissive one, they were the dominant one. And that, that dynamic carried over into, like, even the most boring vanilla of sex. <laughs> and I'm not even gonna say it's boring because here I am, I'm kinky as hell and I fucking love vanilla sex sometimes like it's it's fun it feels good it's great this is what i'm saying there's not you don't you're not just all kink or all vanilla nobody is all one thing or all another like <laughs> Hello, I'm queer. I know this. Binaries generally don't fucking exist in nature, and it's the same fucking thing here. Everyone's relationship is unique. Everyone's definition of kink is unique. Everyone's definition of vanilla is unique. It's not that clear cut. 
I feel like I've gotten a little off topic of my original point, but I don't really remember what my original point is, so whatever. Anna, if if you don't want to be kinky, don't date a fucking kinkster. Christian, if you don't want to be vanilla, don't date a fucking vanilla girl. What are we doing here? I ask myself for the millionth fucking time. Okay, so the next day, I don't remember if I've mentioned this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I talked about this in the last episode. Pretty sure I ranted about it a little bit. Christian has made an appointment with an OBGYN to come and get Anna back on birth control. So, of course, he has her just come to the hotel instead because he's Christian Grey and he can get anyone to do whatever he wants, I guess. And so this doctor comes to the hotel and scolds Anna about suddenly stopping taking the pill, which, like, yeah, sure, fine, a lot of medication you don't want to just suddenly stop fucking taking them a lot of times that'll fuck you up however have we never heard of bedside manner if i was ever scolded by a doctor i would get up and leave like that is not professional that is not like kind compassionate care if you are entrusting this person with your health and your like medical shit you deserve better you deserve someone who is going to like kindly empathetically explain to you why it's not a great idea to stop taking the pill suddenly also there's like no consideration of any side effects or any ill effects that might have come from anna stopping the pill like the only thing this doctor is worried about and is scolding anna about is that she could be pregnant which like yeah i guess she could because condoms aren't 100 percent effective but they have been using condoms since she has stopped taking the pill there is that i don't know i just feel like this doctor is like being incredibly fucking dramatic and it's it's freaking me out and I'm not even the patient. So she hands Anna a pregnancy test. She's like, you got to take this test. And Anna is immediately freaking out about the potential to be pregnant. Why? Is it because she doesn't want a baby? I mean, maybe there's a little bit of that in there, but mostly she's freaking out about the idea of Christian reacting to her being pregnant which I don't know, I am not an expert, but that seems like a pretty clear fucking sign of an abusive relationship. If your first thought about something going on in your life that is primarily affecting you is, oh shit, how is my partner going to react? He is going to be furious. If that's the thing that scares you most about a life change as big as pregnancy, that's not good. That's not healthy. That's not the way a partner should be living in your head, okay? I just want everyone to be super fucking clear on that. That is not okay. Like, yes, okay, it takes two to tango. A baby is kind of Christian's responsibility too, right? And so, yeah, if you're worried about getting pregnant, yes, I would say it's totally natural and normal to be thinking about how this is going to affect your relationship and what you and your partner are going to do about it and blah, 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 blah. But ultimately, it's your body. It's your choice. We know this. We've been chanting it in the streets for ages. It's you that you should be worried about. It's your decision that you should be worried about. Certainly should be higher on the list than, oh shit, what is my boyfriend gonna think? Like, if that's all you're thinking about, above and beyond yourself, you are being abused. Get the fuck out of there. So the last, like, scene in the chapter, they're in the shower together and Christian still has, like, the faint remains of those lipstick lines that he had Anna draw on him to indicate, here's where you can't touch me. Like, everywhere outside of these lines, go ahead and touch me. Everywhere inside these lines, off limits. 
And so he still has that a little bit and he has her like wash the lines off of him now that she kind of knows where they are. And it's like super vulnerable and like whatever because he's, you know, letting her touch right up onto the borders of his, you know, off limits areas. So that's super vulnerable and super scary because of all his trauma. And Anna is like having all these emotions about how he's like been so traumatized and been so hurt and she hates seeing him like this and it's just I just, like in a way it's sweet because yeah he is a very broken person like aside from all the kink shame aside from all the abuse and the bullshit he is an extremely traumatized person and I can't help but have a little bit of sympathy for that but also God, they both need so much fucking therapy. And uh, the last few lines of the chapter are like, Anna's like, I understand how you feel about me now. I know that you love me. And he's like, yeah, I do. So he still hasn't said I love you out loud, but he has at least explicitly acknowledged that he does love Anna. So chapter eight of book two, here we are. They both need so much fucking therapy and a different relationship and Christian probably needs to not be in a relationship for a while until he makes some significant fucking progress with his therapist. But I've been saying that since chapter one, so thank you so much for listening to my latest rant. I really do hope I will have this posted somewhat on time. We'll see. My name is Lee. You can find my non-sex work social media at allmylinks.com slash artist, and you can find my sex work social media at allmylinks.com slash candykitten, and this podcast can be found at allmylinks.com slash thecurdledpod, and of course patreon.com slash thecurdledpod, where you can support the podcast monthly in return for some fun exclusive content. Be sure to check the episode description for the spellings on all of those links. And if you have questions, comments, concerns, or want to make a one-time donation not through Patreon, you can get in touch with me at curdledinkpodcast at gmail.com. Or, you know, if you want to share your kink helped my trauma story, curdledinkpodcast at gmail.com. If you can't or don't feel comfortable supporting me monetarily, please rate and or leave a review on your podcatcher of choice, or tell a friend, write a post on whatever form of social media you're still using these days. Do whatever you do to spread the word about this humble podcast. That would be so, so appreciated. Thank you. The logo is by Reese Jones at tearlessrainart.tumblr.com. And until next time, remember your rack. That's risk-aware consensual kink. Bye! Time to do math. Chapter 8. My iPad is just dead, so we're not going to post this episode on TikTok. That's okay. Because, oh, there goes my iPad. Anna wakes up later that night to somebody. <laughs> no, I'm just going to say it. Okay. Bonk. Like, there's, it's, uh, <laughs> oh my god, I'm so not eloquent today. Okay, we're, we're getting through it. We're, we're, it's doing, we're doing it. So, where's my outro shit? Google Drive, give me my outro. Here we go. If you can't or don't want to support me monetarily, and, you know, I get it, 
Uh, that, why did it, what the fuck was that? Uh, <laughs> the logo. What am I, <laughs> what word is that again? 